Well, this morning we are talking about the weighty topics of divorce, sexual immorality, and adultery. And so again, parents, we just wanted to make you aware as we get into it this morning that we're going to be talking about those things. We're going to do so with care and grace. We're also going to do so honestly. We're talking about those things this morning because Jesus talked about those things in the Sermon on the Mount. And in many ways, this is why we preach through books of the Bible here at Park City's Presbyterian Church. Because it doesn't get us off the hook. It forces us to confront the things that Jesus confronts. And these topics are weighty for us this morning, in part because our culture thinks of these things differently than Jesus does. And that makes it confusing for us as followers of Jesus and people living in this tension. But it's also weighty because the topics of divorce, sexual immorality, and adultery affect us all in some way. And I know this morning, many of you have experienced the pain of divorce firsthand. And so this topic is going to reach you with great pain and sorrow. I know for others of you, perhaps you are married and you're experiencing something difficult in your marriage right now. For others of you, you're not married and you wish you were. Perhaps you've always been single, you've longed for a spouse or perhaps you were married once and you're divorced now or your spouse is now in heaven. Wherever this finds you this morning, I want you to consider this. It's something I want you to consider every Sunday. That God in his love and care for you has you here this morning. And that the words that I will preach from are not my words. They're Jesus' words. And when we hear Jesus' words, however they confront us, they must not shame us because there's no shame in the gospel. but they might provoke us and they might convict us to the point of leading us back to him. And so that's my prayer for you. It's my prayer for myself as well. As we look at Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, if you're able, please stand for reading of God's word. Again, this is Matthew chapter 5. I'll begin reading in verse 20, or 31. These are Jesus' words for us this morning. Jesus said, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Yesterday, my wife and I went out and ran errands when we went to North Park Mall. And I don't know if you went to the mall yesterday, but it was packed. I mean, there were people everywhere. And we kept saying, this is like the most people that we've ever seen at the mall. And we we're kind of wondering, like, what's going on? Like, is it somehow Christmas? Or is everybody shopping early? Is there some 
store here that's just giving things out for free? Like what is happening that has brought all of Dallas to the mall until we realize that no, nothing special is happening. It's just 105 outside. And this is all we have to do. What do we do in Dallas when it's hot? We shop. You see, we are shoppers. We live in a city that loves to shop. We love to always look for the the best deal, to look for the, the next upgrade. And we do this with all kinds of things. We do this with clothes. We do this with cars. We do this with goods and services. We even do this with church. Don't think I don't know that. And we even do it with relationships. You see, we live in a consumeristic culture that has turned relationships into commodities and people into objects for our consumption. And it has even co-opted marriage to make it into a contract. And this is nothing new. 2,000 years ago, the people in ancient Israel viewed marriage contractually. They thought that you could get a divorce so long as you issue someone a certificate of divorce. But this is not what God created marriage to be. And so as into a culture like that, a culture really just like ours today, where Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount gives us a radically different picture of marriage. Jesus shows us that marriage is not a contract to be broken with a certificate. But instead, Jesus shows us that marriage is a covenant to be kept in faithfulness to the end. And so this morning, wherever his words find you, whether you're married or single, whether you've experienced the hardship and pain of divorce, or you're going through difficulty right now in your marriage, whether your marriage is flourishing, I want you to hear what Jesus has to say about marriage and divorce. And while all of this points to him, and his faithfulness as the true and greater bridegroom. The first thing I want you to see, I want you to know that our world has co-opted marriage into a contract. I want you to look with me at Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 31. Jesus says, It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Now, Jesus begins with this phrase, it was also said. And what you need to know is that these words come to us in a section of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is confronting the Pharisees' teaching of the law with what life is meant to be like in the kingdom of God. And so he uses these phrases, it was also said, and then he follows it with, but I say to you. And so we saw this earlier in Matthew 5, verse 21, where Jesus said, You heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. 
But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. We see the same kind of language being used here. Again, Matthew 5, verse 31, Jesus says, It was said to you, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. So this is what you have to understand. Jesus is confronting not the law, but the way the Pharisees were teaching the law. His problem isn't with the law of God itself. Because we know that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus himself said he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So Jesus' issue is not with the law of God. It's with what the Pharisees were doing to the law of God. You see, they had co-opted it. They had taken it and robbed it and were changing it to fit their own needs, desires, and wants, and wishes. And we do the same thing today. We do it in really two different ways. One is to take away from God's law, to stop short at the fullness of what God's law says. But we also do the same thing when we add to God's law. When we say that it says something it doesn't actually say. When we add even more rules and more regulations to what God would have for us. In both ways, we distort the law of God. We paint a false picture of who he is and what it means to live a life as his image bearer in his kingdom. So the same thing is going on here. As Jesus is confronting the issue of marriage and divorce, his issue is not with God's law, but it was with a particular way that the Pharisees were teaching it. And there were two schools of thought. Both, I would argue, saw divorce and marriage as contractual. One school of thought was more conservative, and at least it was more conservative. But you see, I still think that they viewed it legalistically. And, and they had a very narrow view of who would be allowed to get divorced. There was another school of thought that was the exact opposite. They had taken a teaching in God's law in Deuteronomy 24, and they stopped short at the fullness of what the passage says. And so they were teaching that anyone could get a divorce so long as you issued a certificate. And that's what's being brought up here by Jesus. Again, notice what he says. He says, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. This is what was being taught. Look, you can get a divorce so long as you issue a certificate. Why did they think that? Well, they had turned marriage into a contract. What do I mean by that? Well, legally speaking, a contract is an agreement between private parties creating mutual obligations enforceable by law. That's the legal definition. What that means is that a contract is primarily interested in two individuals. And it's designed to protect their interests, their wants, their wishes, their desires. It's two individual private parties coming together to make a mutual agreement that puts each interest against the other 
and has internal protections to make sure that nobody fails. And those of you who deal with contracts know that if someone fails to uphold their end of the bargain, that contract is now in breach. And you could have an argument to say that this contract is no longer applicable. It's now null and void. So here's the problem. When marriage becomes a contract, it becomes self-seeking, and it becomes incredibly fragile. Because let's be honest, those of you who are married, how often do you fail to uphold your obligations as a spouse? How often does your spouse fail to uphold theirs? Don't answer that out loud. The truth is, we break our marriage vows every single day. If we're honest, marriage is incredibly hard at times. And with that hardship comes great difficulty, hurt, and pain. And if marriage is just a contract, it can easily be broken. Now, those of you who grew up in church, you've probably heard it said before that God hates divorce. That phrase is taken from a particular translation of the book of Malachi, Malachi 2, verse 16. That translation is the New American Standard Version. And it says this, Malachi 2.16, I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel, and the one who is guilty of violence, says the Lord who rules over all. Pay attention to your conscience and do not be unfaithful. But you see, I actually think that the translation that we use here at PCPC is a little bit more faithful to what is really being said. It says something a little different. And I, help, I think it helps us understand why we should not view marriage as a contract. You see, because our world would have us believe that if you are out to protect your own self-interest, that will be for your ultimate good. But if that's what marriage ultimately is, so often it ends in great pain. The ESV translates Malachi 2 verse 16 this way. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence. See, it's not just that God hates divorce. For many of you, I know you hear that, you hear shame. See, it's something even far darker than that. It's that divorce is a form of violence. It wounds us. And that's why this topic is so difficult for us to talk about. Because it's painful. Because divorce does violence to our souls. And some of you have experienced that kind of wounding. And whether you were the guilty party or innocent party or both... Divorce does violence, it wounds, it causes pain. I know many of you, you're children of divorce. And that causes a different kind of wounding, a different kind of pain. Still others, you have considered divorce. 
And even that thought or that word being thrown out in an argument has done considerable damage. The reason is because though we like to pretend that marriage is just a contract, it hurts like something far more substantial. So if that describes you this morning, if you've experienced divorce in your life in the past or maybe you're experiencing it now, I want you to know that I'm so sorry. And I want you to know that God loves you. He is faithful. And I want you to know that as a church, we want to walk with you. We want to care for you. One of the ways that we do that was with a ministry called Divorce Care. And so if you've never been a part of that ministry, it's going to start once again this fall on September the 14th. That's a Wednesday as part of our midweek offerings. It'll begin at 645. And right now, if you've never really dealt with the pain of your own divorce, I invite you to come and find hope and healing and restoration in the gospel of Jesus because he's faithful even in this. For others of you, maybe for you who are married, at times you've recognized marriage, as it turns out, can be hard. And maybe if you're like me, at times you've bought into the lie that marriage is is just a contract and you found yourself struggling with that. I want to invite you to participate in another kind of ministry that we have, and it's called Re-Engage. For all kinds of marriages, whether your marriage is in deep trouble or whether you think it's going really, really well. It's a ministry that my wife and I have participated in ourselves. It was so helpful for us. I know it will be helpful for you. Again, that starts this fall, September the 14th. It's a Wednesday, again, part of our midweek offerings. You can find registration for both of those ministries on our website. Either way, this is what I want you to know. Jesus is faithful. In the midst of our pain, in the midst of our honesty with the way that our own failures confront us, Jesus is faithful. And the reason is this, because God created marriage not to be a contract, but to be a covenant. It's the second thing I want you to know. I want you to look with me again. Jesus' words, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 32 And I want you to see Jesus' response to how the Pharisees were teaching about divorce. Again, the Pharisees viewed marriage contractually. And so divorce was contractual. Just issue a certificate. To that, this is what Jesus said. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And what I want you to see at the heart of Jesus' words is that his primary issue is not legal. It's relational. He's painting a radically different picture of marriage. This isn't about certificates and contracts, but this is about covenant. It's why Jesus raises the bar so high. Because God created marriage to be a picture of his covenant relationship with us. And God does not intend to divorce us. He's faithful. 
And he's called us to that kind of faithfulness. And it's out of that faithfulness that he's given us marriage. Marshall Polly is a professor at New York University. And her research really centers on culture, religion, and politics. And she's written extensively on the difference between contracts and covenants. I want you to listen to what she says. She wrote, a covenant, whether between persons and God or among persons, is a bond of reciprocal regard and care. It is a bond of mutual giving, of sacrifice for the flourishing of the other. Now listen to this. She says, unlike a contract which protects interests, a covenant protects a relationship, even at some cost to oneself. You see the difference? A contract just protects interests. It protects our own individual wants and desires. And when those are not met, the contract is broken. But a covenant fights for something completely different, not the interests of individual parties, but a relationship. Even, Polly says, to the point of self-sacrifice. And this is what we see in the Bible. You could say that the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is a story about God's covenant with us. A relationship where we've been united together. We belong to him. And he, he belongs to us. Where he uses the language that says, I will be your God. And you will be my people. A covenant relationship that he kept to the point of self-sacrifice by sending his own son to die on the cross in order to preserve it. The Bible, from start to finish, is a story about God's covenant with us because he is faithful. That is what he has created marriage to be. So I want you to notice again what Jesus says. He says, but I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. He uses similar language in Matthew 19, later in the Gospel of Matthew. Verse 9, this is what he says. Whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. The difference is, in Matthew 19, he explains his reasoning. I want you to listen to what Jesus says. You can turn there or you can write this verse down and look it up later. Matthew 19, verse 4. Jesus lays the foundation for his teaching on marriage and divorce by saying this. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard those words spoken before. Whatever God has joined together, let no man separate. This is the language of covenant. The language of union. The language of becoming one. Jesus said there's no longer two in a marriage, but it's one because two have become 
one flesh. This is why Jesus lists adultery, sexual immorality, as the only exception for divorce. Again, notice what Jesus says. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery. He uses two words here, sexual immorality and adultery. Different words that are deeply connected because they're both sins of unfaithfulness. In other words, what Jesus is saying is the only thing that can break a covenant is when that covenant is severed. Because God created sex to be a physical manifestation of a spiritual union between husband and wife. It's why God created sex for marriage and why the Bible forbids sex outside of marriage. Not because it's archaic, not because it's old-fashioned, but it's because God created sex for the kind of relationship that says, I belong to you and you belong to me. The kind of relationship that says, I will be faithful to you no matter what to the end. The kind of relationship that says, I love you, period. The kind of relationship that's built on faithfulness. And so this is why adultery breaks the covenant. Because adultery is when we join ourselves and unite ourselves to someone else other than our spouse. So there's a couple things I want you to notice about what Jesus says. The first is this, that Jesus says, this is an exception. And notice it's the only exception he gives. And they say, well, what about other kinds of issues? Real, hard issues. Things like abandonment and abuse well, the Apostle Paul addresses those issues in 1 Corinthians 7. And he addresses those issues not as exceptions to the rule, but as giving counsel to those who have already been abandoned. For those who have already experienced divorce, maybe not in a legal sense, but in a de facto sense. For those who are wondering, what am I to do when my spouse has left me? What am I to do when my spouse has abandoned me? What am I to do? Paul says, you're free. You're not enslaved anymore. But Jesus here is addressing something different. He's saying that for those who are committed to one another, for those who are still together, adultery is the only thing that can break a covenant. But notice he says that it's an exception. It's not an obligation. In other words, he's not saying, well, if adultery is happening, the marriage is over. No, it's just an exception. And that's incredibly important. Because here's the truth. Wherever you are this morning, However you would describe your own marriage or whether you experience the pain 
of divorce or even adultery. Whether you are married or single, here is the truth. Every one of us has been unfaithful. And every one of us has committed adultery. So the third and final thing I want you to know is this, that Jesus is the faithful bridegroom, even when we are a faithless bride. Book of Jeremiah, the prophet, speaks of marriage and divorce in similar terms. I want you to listen to what he says. Jeremiah 3, verse 1, the prophet says, If a man divorces his wife and she goes from him and becomes another man's wife, will he return to her? Will not that land be greatly polluted? But then in mid-sentence, Jeremiah shifts his focus from talking about marriage and divorce in the context of a human relationship And then he talks about a radically different kind of marriage. I want you to listen to his words. You have played the whore with many lovers. Would you return to me, declares the Lord. See, Jeremiah shifts not from talking about human marriage, but a much greater marriage. A marriage that every one of us has been called to by the grace of God. A marriage covenant between God and us as his people. Jeremiah goes on in chapter 3 verse 6 and he says, have you seen what she did that faithless one Israel? How she went up on every high hill and under every green tree and there played the whore? And I thought after she has done all this, will she return to me? But she did not return. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it, and she saw for all of the adulteries of that faithless one, Israel, I had sent her away with a decree of divorce. You hear the language that Jeremiah is using. You see, because if the Bible is about covenant, it's really about marriage. Not marriage between a man and a woman, but marriage between God and his people. And that is why Jeremiah and the other prophets, when they talked about sin, it wasn't just immorality or breaking the law, but they called it adultery. That when we sin against God, it's as if we are cheating on him. That we're committing adultery with other gods. and Lower kings and kingdoms of this world. We're uniting ourselves to idols The truth is, we're all faithless, every one of us. But there is good news. You see, because in the same exact passage, Jeremiah then issues this invitation. Jeremiah 3, verse 12. Now go and proclaim these words to the north and say, Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will not look on you in anger, for I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Return, O faithless children, declares the Lord, for I am your master. And listen to this. And I will take you, one, from a city, and two, from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. God looks down us as his faithless people And he is so faithful that not only is he saying, come back to me. Even though you are faithless, come back to me. Even though you have divorced yourself from me, come back to me. Not only is he ushering us in and giving us this invitation, 
But he says, I will take you and I will bring you back to Zion. How will he do that? By sending his son, Jesus Christ, to be a faithful bridegroom to a faithless bride. I love weddings. I love weddings so much. I just officiated a wedding right here at PCPC on Friday evening. And last weekend, I had the honor and privilege of officiating my sister's wedding. At every single wedding, I begin with these words from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, where John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And now listen to the language of the covenant. Brothers and sisters, friends, these are his covenant vows to you. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. You see, what Jesus is teaching on divorce shows us is that every one of us has been unfaithful. Every one of us has committed spiritual adultery. And yet, because God is faithful, he sent his son to be the true and greater bridegroom. To be faithful even when we have been faithless. And to be faithful to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ died and rose again for you, O faithless church, because he is faithful. And one day out of his faithfulness, he will come again. And if the Bible is a story from start to finish about a marriage between God and his people, it ends in a wedding, the marriage supper of the Lamb. When Christ comes again, he will adorn us and make us beautiful again. He will clothe us in his righteousness and we will be his holy bride. Until that day comes, hear the invitation from the prophet Jeremiah. Come. Come back to the Lord. O faithless people, come. O faithless church, come. Wherever that faithfulness has taken root in your heart, whatever pain that you've experienced or inflicted on others, whether your story includes divorce or doesn't, whether it includes adultery or doesn't, whether you are married or single, hear the words of Jesus, come, for he is our great bridegroom, the faithful one who loved us and will love us to the end. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for sending us Jesus Lord, even those words are not adequate to say thank you. So Lord, help us now to express our gratitude with song. 
to be reminded once again that you are faithful, even when we are faithless. And Lord, wherever we are this morning, whenever these words have met us, I pray that you would bring healing, that you would heal broken marriages, that you would restore those who've been divorced, that you would even do what seems impossible, that you would reconcile. So Lord, whether we are married or not, would we see you, Jesus, as our ultimate bridegroom and find our deepest joy and pleasure in our union with you that we would receive your covenant promises and we would respond with great joy. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and let's sing together.